So a few months ago, I thought, you know, I want to do this. Let's do this. And so I got with my friend Chris Hill. I said, Chris, would you be willing to do this with me? He said, sure. I think, I think that would be a good idea. And so the idea of doing something like what Orson Welles once did with War of the Worlds, for those who know it, if not, you can Google it, check the Wikipedia page, and see, I thought that would be a good thing to do for the stock market. And without going too deep into that, because you're about to hear what we did, Chris and I pretend this week that the market had a really bad last couple of days. And so, improving, ad-libbing, and being real with each other, what you're about to hear is what it might sound like if and when, and by the way, it's more a when than an if, that eventually happens. I want to take pains to mention, by no means are we predicting or thinking that the market is going to drop anytime soon. It does happen naturally from time to time. We never know when it's going to happen. But the purpose of this for you this week is to get you thinking about it. For some of us, especially new investors, you may never have experienced a significant market drop. They do happen. And maybe not just to imagine what it would be like, but to actually feel a little bit what it might be like and to realize that while others might be panicking around you, and all of us naturally feel, if not panic, at least deep disappointment when the market drops in the way we're talking about this week, processing that ahead of time and asking yourself, am I invested in a way that I would want to be in good times, like the last 10 years, and in bad, like what we'll talk about this week, are you ready? This episode of Rule Breaker Investing is brought to you by Molecule. Molecule is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. For 10% off your first air purifier, visit molekule.com and enter the promo code FOOL10, FOOL10 at checkout. Molecule with a K.com. And thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Rule Breaker Investing. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for, so you can hire the right person fast. Find the right person with LinkedIn Jobs and get $50 off your first job post at linkedin.com slash fool. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. Welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. I'm David Gardner. Thank you so much for joining me this week. This I'm going to say this special week, but but not for good reasons, as I think is pretty evident to us all. So, with the stock market having fallen seven percent toward the end of Tuesday, we had taped an entire podcast. The Rule Breaker Investing Podcast normally records on Tuesdays, and we publish on Wednesdays. But obviously, given the events not just of yesterday, but of today, what we did yesterday has really no relevance or help for you today. So, I thought, what could we do? On this very unusual Wednesday, and I thought, well, why wouldn't I have the voice of the Motley Fool, Chris Hill, come in, join me, and for us to talk about what's happening, um, update you. We realize this is a podcast, so it's not like this is a live news recording, but we're doing our best to be as live as we can this week with you, what we're seeing, how we're feeling, and how we talk about it. Chris, thank you very much. Uh, thanks for asking me. And uh, like you said, I mean, it's. Uh I, th- I think back to the uh, the episode you did last week, where you know one of the, where you're talking about uh, when your stocks go down, it doesn't feel good. And obviously, um, this is a really painful uh, couple of days so far for everyone. Um, as you mentioned, the, the market uh, late on Tuesday dropping as it did 
um, reminding a lot of us who have been investing for the past decade of the the flash crash events that we saw in 2010, 2015. Yep. Um, and then the ripple effect. And and let me let me just set the stage for anyone who um, hasn't been paying close attention. Um, Against the backdrop of all of this is a bull market that's been going on for over a decade. Um, so um, we poke fun around the office from time to time that that profit taking gets thrown out there as an excuse. Um, I think what we're seeing today with the market drop today is almost certainly that's almost certainly a factor um, because of the bull market run that we've had. Um, so we have the drop on Tuesday. Overnight, every international market is down at least seven percent, some double digits. Um, we have the Federal Reserve coming out Wednesday morning with a statement that um, let's just assume that um, Chairman Powell and his colleagues are trying to be helpful, but um, alluding to the possibility of raising interest rates mm-hmm. um, certainly is is causing some concern, uh, certainly uh, on Wall Street with the big banks. And um, you know, when I think about the market in general and sort of who who are the not just the business leaders, but who are the um, people that the financial media turns to for reassurance, um, I think number one on that list is Warren Buffett. He has been uh, strangely silent over the last 36 hours. Uh, Jamie Dimon, um, chairman and CEO of, of J.P. Morgan Chase, um, a Wall Street Journal has a quote um, from him that is also not all that reassuring, particularly when he invokes the Great Recession and the collapse of Lehman Brothers and saying, um, and I'm paraphrasing. Uh, uh, there's there's going to be another Lehman Brothers. It's just not going to be J.P. Morgan Chase. Yeah. Well, and obviously um, that with the market already down 18 percent so far today, after the seven percent drop yesterday. So we're now down 25 percent, Chris, from where we were just two days ago. I, I don't think it's fair to say that Diamond contributed to that. I think the markets were already unsettled, but it certainly doesn't help confidence at all to have. The prominent CEO of the prominent bank say what he just said. Uh, there will be another Lehman Brothers, as you paraphrase, but it won't be us. So, also not helping, um, and it's 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 not Tim Cook's fault. It's not Satya Nadella's fault. Um, but uh, even for investors like us who think for the long term and are focused on investing for the long term, to see the biggest, most successful companies of our age, Apple. Microsoft, Alphabet, um, all falling across the board, um, and we're going to get to some some company specific news um, for some of the stocks in your universe that okay. um, in the rule breaker universe that um, there is some material news. But I, I I'll just be honest because we've known each other a long time. It's very uns- and I don't own Apple and I don't own Microsoft, and that has been to my detriment over the last um, uh, five ten years. Um, it's unsettling. To see companies that big and that successful falling um, to the tune of 20-25% like they are. Yeah, and actually, Apple down over 30%. Um, although, when you're down by a quarter or a third, it it's almost a rounding error. Obviously, we're talking about some of the bellwethers of not just American business, but global business today, down from a quarter to a third of their value in just, just two days. So, I, I think it's important just to Set that baseline, Chris. We all know the general indices, as you mentioned, the S and P 500, basically down 25 percent. It's not unusual that some of the more premium priced stocks, the ones that I love, the ones that we talk about all the time in Rule Breaker Investing, that those would drop more than the market indices. And sure enough, obviously that's happening now. Those are companies, as you mentioned, Chris, 
that have no real news. They're just down in sympathy with, well, the global market at this point. Obviously, there are some surprising news items this morning or in the last 24 hours, some of them rumors, some of them real. It does remind me that often you throw out the baby with the bathwater, right? When bad news hits, all of a sudden, companies sometimes throw in extra bad news just to pile it all in. So, I guess we'll talk about some of those in a bit. We will. Um, uh, I just want to hit on one real quick, just because this um, this just came out. This is your latest recommendations in the Rule Breaker Service, um, Intuitive Surgical. Yeah. Um, picked it last week. Picked it last week. Um, what goes through your mind when you see something like that, where obviously uh, thought and work goes into a recommendation like that, <laughs> and then um, it, because uh, for all of its success, Intuitive Surgical is not Apple. It's not Microsoft, mm-hmm. um, and it's down. I mean, I, the last time I checked, it was more than thirty percent. I mean, it's it's really getting hammered in a way that that even Apple and Microsoft are not. Well, that, yeah, well, actually, yeah. It's for the record. It's as we see right now. It's down thirty six point seven percent. Apple is down right, right around thirty two percent. So, but Chris, more more to the point. Um, yeah, I would say, what's my first reaction? There we go again. And I don't mean that this happens on a regular basis. If it did, we wouldn't be recommending you put your money in the stock market. Um, we have recommended that. We do recommend that today, just like we said last week with Intuitive Surgical. The reason I say there we go again is because this does happen. Um, certainly, the Rule Breaker service was running during 2008, 2009. I remember when I was picking a new stock twice a month in Rule Breakers, which I've done for years now, it didn't feel good at all in 2008 and 2009. I felt like as soon as I would pick a stock, it would be down 30% in the following month. So, of course, seeing that happen in a week now, or just a couple of days, hurts. But there we go again. I'm not going to say this too shall pass, because that's that sounds like pablum. Um, this is real. And so, it hurts. It, it never feels good. But you also have to understand, we are playing the only game that counts, and that's the long game. So, Chris, even though Intuitive Surgical, I loved it last week, and now it's down 36.7% lower, at least with that company, maybe not all the ones we'll talk about today, but at least with that one, I'm like, great. So, if you were a little slow in the draw and didn't buy in with the rest of Rule Breaker members last week, uh, congratulations, because uh, you got quite a discount right now. All right, last thing before we get into some of the company news today. Um, Goldman Sachs has a survey that they've been doing for the past 20 years, and it is um, it is a consumer confidence survey, and they overlay that with a survey of CEOs to measure CEO confidence. Okay, um, and anyone listening can I mean you can just Google Goldman Sachs CEO confidence survey. You can find this. Um, and I realize I'm about to talk about a visual chart on an audio podcast, so I apologize <laughs> for that. Um, when you look at this chart over the past 20 years, there is a huge disparity between consumer confidence and CEO confidence in late 2009, early 2010. Um, back then, we're you know right in the wake of the Great Recession. Consumer confidence is very low. CEO confidence is incredibly high. There's a huge delta between those two. Isn't that amazing? I first of all, let me keep going, but I just want to mention before you showed me this um, this survey, this Goldman Sachs survey. I, I had not seen this before, so it's nice to know that they've been doing this for a couple of decades now. So there's good, meaningful data, and I was really surprised. Keep going with with the insight from 2010, and then what it looks like today. So 2010, you can look at it and say, okay, CEOs are in, 
exponentially more confident than consumers, um, now may be a good time to get over whatever concern I have and invest in the market. Um, cut to today, the latest version of this survey, it's reversed. Consumer confidence is incredibly high, and CEO confidence is the lowest point it's been in a decade, and it's the second lowest point it's been this century. So, here is my question mm. for you, armed with this information and obviously what we're seeing today. Um, is now the time to to short stocks? I've never shorted a stock in my life, but I look at what's going on in the market, and I look at this data from Goldman Sachs, and I think to myself, you know what? Even with um, a 25% drop across the board, there are still some high-flying stocks out there that have a lot further to fall. Well, let me just say that I think most people never need to short a stock, and they'll do wonderfully as investors. I have shorted stocks in the past. In fact, uh, in the early days of The Motley Fool, both on AOL and then Fool.com, when we first launched the website in 1996, um, we had shorts in our portfolio. It was a, it was a significant part of our online portfolios that people copied and followed along with us. Now, it was never more than 10 or 15% overall. I don't think anybody should ever be net short. I think that's a real mistake. Again, on average, I know it doesn't feel good today, but on average, the market rises 10% or so a year when you take all the averages into account. So, being net short for any meaningful period of time is a real mistake. So, Chris, obviously, you and I have known each other for a long time. I find it maybe a little bit humorous that you are thinking about now shorting stocks with all of them down about you know a quarter to a third of their value in the last couple of days. But I do think that you're probably mirroring what a lot of people are wondering. Um, but I mean, I, I truly believe that shorting should only be done by people who are very experienced investors and who are self-confident without being cocky about their view of things and always as a small hedge, always maybe just a small percentage, 10 or 15% of one's portfolio. All right, let's get to some company news. And I'm going to start with MongoDB, um, which is a stock you've recommended before. Um, for those unfamiliar, um, cloud data storage. Um, go back a year ago, January 2019, um, MongoDB dropped about 10% in a single day when mm -hmm. it came out that Amazon Web Services um, was launching a competitor. Um, uh, I don't know if, and let me. Pause for a second. I don't know if um, Amazon did this intentionally. I don't know if they timed it today. Um, but we have talked in the past about how, when there are rough times in the market, yep, large companies, companies that have cash to deploy, um, are in better position than smaller companies, and in some cases can take market share. Um, Amazon appears to be doing that because uh, this morning Amazon announced a new version of this uh, competition. That they've created uh, out of Amazon Web Services to compete with MongoDB, um, MongoDB, which had already dropped some yesterday, as pretty much every other stock did. Today, down more than forty percent mm -hmm. on this news. What, if anything, does this change about your thinking about MongoDB? Because well, I know you're a fan of Amazon. Sure, and and also of MongoDB. And and let's be clear here: it is an active rule breaker recommendation. It's even after today's. Monster drop. It is still a very significant winner for our members over the last couple of years. We first recommended the stock February 28th of 2018. Here we are, less than two years later. It was 32 back then, Chris. Even after today's 40% drop, the stock is over 80. Right, so it's still more than a double. Right, over the last less than two years. So yeah, I love this company. I think this is a great company. Um, 
as you mentioned, Amazon had already kind of foreshadowed this in January of 2019, so just one year ago, that initial announcement that you cited, um, Amazon Web Services launching that new database tool called DocumentDB. Um, so, I can't say we're surprised by this, but I will also say that it's a big world out there. And I think one of my favorite podcasts I did way back in the day, this one's way below the fold, you're going to have to search it on the internet to find it, but it was called Of Killers and Kings. And what I tried to say about both is that they're not real. You hear all the time people say, hey, here's a MongoDB killer. Or you hear people say, content is king. Killers and kings are almost always overstatements. And I believe in this particular case, while MongoDB you know, is obviously threatened by this, and Amazon is Amazon, and I do admire Amazon greatly, um, I, I think probably I would, be, I, would be a, I would be happy to buy these shares right now. And and I I want to say that's true of almost every stock that we might talk about. Maybe not everyone, because I know there are a couple others to get to. But with the market down dramatically, while it could fall further, and often when we have these moves, the following few months there is more fallout. But let's let's pinch ourselves a little bit and realize you have an entry point that is significantly. This stock was at 150 just last week. We're now in the 80s. Same business. Amazon's announcement definitely threatening. Maybe tied into the. Fear and panic on the markets today. I'm not sure. I'm not certainly not going to accuse them of that. But no, I, I feel comfortable with MongoDB. By the way, uh, speaking of Amazon, um, there is there is not news per se about about this, or, or certainly not confirmed news. There is of speculation, um, as happens. It's it's sort of the blessing and the curse of social media, particularly Twitter, that news can travel very quickly. But therefore, so can speculation. But there is speculation about Jeff Bezos potentially stepping down, and it's. Um, uh, an interview he gave in 2015. He sat down with Walt Mossberg at the Recode conference. <laughs> okay, and um, uh, I think it was. I think at the time, Bezos had just become, or had recently become, the wealthiest person on, in the world. And Mossberg asked him, you know, like, how much longer are you going to be CEO? Because you know, you you got this. You're interested in the 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 space. You know, the blue origin, that kind of thing. And uh, Bezos, uh, a couple of times, said, oh, I think of myself as a shopkeeper. I love being CEO. And he said, I'm definitely going to be CEO for the next five years. And people are now posting that clip on, uh, on Twitter and saying, well, here it is five years later, and the market is tanking. And you know, is he going to step aside and hand the reins over to someone? Um, all of which is prelude to this question, to what extent, if any, does Bezos leave? Because he's going to leave at some point. He's going to st- he's going to hand the reins of that company to someone else at some point. It may yep. not be this year. It may not be this week. What does that do for your thinking about Amazon? Well, anytime you have an iconic CEO and not just um, not just a ceremonial figure like a king or a queen. Speaking of real kings and real queens, but the, the person who's actually done it. They were the entrepreneur in the arena, getting bloody and built something amazing that was a global phenomenon. I mean, Bezos owns, I think, around 59 million shares of of Amazon today. I sincerely doubt that Jeff is going to step too far from Amazon. I obviously acknowledge his his interest in outer space, Blue Origin, his rocket company, competing, by the way, with Elon Musk, somebody else we might talk about today um, in outer space. But no, I, I I'm not worried that Jeff Bezos is no longer going to care or pay attention to Amazon. I'm very confident that'll be a whole life thing for him. With that said, I was the first to say when Steve Jobs died, Steve, we're going to miss you. You were amazing. Tim Cook, take the reins, because you know what? People are doubting you. People are doubting 
Berkshire after Buffett. But when we're looking at great companies, these companies have culture that runs, I mean, deep, you know, miles deep. And so when they're promoting from within and bringing in people that have been part of that company, like Tim Cook was for Apple for years, um, I would typically try to look past the media fear and fear mongering, some of the headlines that make you think that you know Amazon's toast if Bezos leaves. But anyway, it's not surprising to me that these kinds of rumors in social media get kicked around in a time where, frankly, a lot of us are just hurting. Um, Bezos wasn't tweeting anything because he rarely tweets. Elon Musk, I mean, you mentioned Tesla. Elon Musk, um, on the other hand, was tweeting last night. Um, I won't read all of them because uh, this is a family show. Um, but um, uh, you know, this is a stock that uh, was closing in on five hundred dollars a share last week. It's um, it hasn't been cut in half, but it's it's on its way to that. Um, and this tweet storm of his, you know, culminated in a, in you know a last tweet that just um, reads simply, "I think I'm done." And that and and from there. Um, Again, speculation, which is what happens. That's part and parcel of the environment that we're in. Um, it seems like when the market is frothy and hitting all-time highs, we don't have this type of speculation. But when the market is dropping precipitously the way we're seeing, then we have people wondering out loud, is Elon Musk actually going to step away as CEO of Tesla? And another guy who's interested in space. Um, right. And he's hinted at it in the past. And and would you be shocked if he did that? And what would that do for your thesis about Tesla? So, first of all, I would be shocked if he did that. The way that I took, I think I'm done, because I saw that last night, too. I think he just meant he was done for the night tweeting. So, I think this has been misconstrued to think that you know, some people are now saying, yeah, he's, he's leaving Tesla. And obviously, again, in light of the dramatic sell-off, I, I'm quoting Tesla right now. It's at 265. Right? It was a, it was a 498 all-time high last week. So, um, again, I, I I think it's very unlikely that Musk is going to leave Tesla or Bezos is going to leave Amazon. But you know, you when people use social media, which is such an ephemeral medium, um, some of us, Chris, I think you and I, I, I want to put us in this category. When we tweet something, we mean it. But there are definitely some big public figures out there that tweet all the time, but I don't necessarily trust what they're saying because it could change frequently. That happens, by the way, with financial television. There are people who come on financial TV and say this or that on shows on CNBC. No one's holding them accountable. There's no real sense that um, this will ever be remembered or you're really being scored. And I think the same thing is true of social media for those who use it that way. Again, I'm not going to... Uphold us as some kind of paragon for everybody, but when we do that at the Motley Fool, or at least some personalities like you or me, Chris, I mean, I like to think we're saying what we mean. At the same time, I've never really taken Elon Musk that seriously. With uh, he said a lot of crazy things, and 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 others too. So, again, my interpretation was with I think I'm done is that he's done for the night, and that and don't keep waiting to see his next tweet. But people are gonna read it different ways, I guess. Um, all right. Some material news is coming in about Stitch Fix. Um, uh, I want to take a minute to make sure I have this right before we proceed. So, um, why don't we take a sponsor break? This episode of Rule Breaker Investing is brought to you by Molecule. Molecule is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. Molecule's technology has been personally effective and verified by science, but most importantly, it's been tested by real people. For example, me. I have one in my house. It's given allergy and asthma sufferers around the country an all-new experience. Breakthrough Pico, that's P-E-C-O, Pico Technology, across a range of products, provides a solution for the entire home when it comes to air purification. 
No matter the size of your room, you can choose the option that's best for your space. That's right. It might be the Molecule Air, which is for large rooms, or the Molecule Air Mini for smaller rooms. The American Lung Association says more than 140 million Americans are living with unhealthy air. Don't be one of them. We make a lot of resolutions for improvement this time of the year, but how about improving the quality of the air you breathe? One customer has said that after using Molecule in her home, she was able to, quote, breathe through her nose for the first time in 15 years. Customers in general have reported feeling energized after getting the best night of sleep they've had in years. And given what we're talking about this week, you can see how important, in particular during these times, that is. So for 10% off your first air purifier, visit molekule.com, enter the promo code FOOL10 at checkout. That's molecule.com with a K, promo code FOOL10. And the new year is about growth and change. Well, here at The Motley Fool this year, we're especially excited to continue helping the world to invest in ways that will help us all to become smarter, happier, and richer. It's our vision that through podcasts like this one, Rule Breaker Investing, and the various resources offered by our company, we can help everyday people to improve their finances this year and beyond. Now, if you're a business owner looking to grow your business, LinkedIn can help you find the right hires that can set you up for a strong year. LinkedIn job screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person fast. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability, LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and puts your job post in front of qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. In fact, members of our recruiting team here at Fool HQ have commented that at The Motley Fool, we've used LinkedIn job posts to strategically engage highly qualified candidates. Through our partnership with LinkedIn, we've been able to build out a more thoughtful and efficient hiring process. Our life at The Motley Fool page has also enabled us to tell our story and share our company culture." End quote. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. Get the first $50 off. Terms and conditions apply. Just visit linkedin.com slash fool. That's linkedin.com slash fool to get $50 off your first job post. Okay, so to go back to what I mentioned earlier, where companies take advantage of crises. Every company... Because every stock is down across the board, they're all dealing with some type of crisis or another. Some of them are just, well, our stock is down a whole lot, um, but others are being very strategic, and Walmart appears to be one of those companies. Um, Nordstrom has announced that Nordstrom is selling Trunk Club, um, which uh, I'm going to say 2013, maybe uh, a little bit earlier, uh, Nordstrom bought Trunk Club uh, for about $350 million, wrote down about $200 million of that. Nordstrom is selling Trunk Club to Walmart. Um, we don't have exact figures, um, but uh, some reports are putting the price tag somewhere in the neighborhood between $150 million, $225 million, somewhere in that range. Um, happy for Nordstrom that they are about to get a big check. Um, Walmart goes even further into uh, the online world, as they have methodically built that. Wow. Um, and I, I, first of all, I did not know any of this, so thank you for bringing it. Uh, keep uh, going, but that's pretty shocking to me. Here's, here's where it comes home to roost um, uh, for one of the stocks um, that I'm sure you're more familiar with than probably Walmart and Nordstrom, and that's Stitch Fix. Um, because Stitch Fix, which was already down coming in today, uh, into Today's trading, like every other stock, um, 
on this news being announced, um, Walmart basically taking square aim at Stitch Fix and its business. Um, Stitch Fix falling precipitously um, had already been been down uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 20%. Go ahead and tack another 20% on top of that. Um, what do you do with Stitch Fix at this point? Because I think that, in in a weird way, it's um, validating for Stitch Fix and the business model that they've created. That Walmart uh, looks at it and thinks we don't want to build this from scratch. We're just going to buy Trunk Club from Nordstrom to compete with them. Um, on the other hand, this is a, a a very real competitive threat. And let's be honest, for a couple of years now, Stitch Fix has been identified as one of those businesses that could get bought. Whether it's by Amazon or or someone else, and I'm wondering if um, a greater competitive threat um, makes you think differently about Stitch Fix. Well, I mean, it, it's it's uh, first of all surprising. I'm just obviously reacting to this for the first time. Stitch Fix has been an ongoing recommendation in Rule Breakers. It has been a losing recommendation. I mean, it's one of those. I don't know if you were listening last week, Chris, but I did David's biggest losers, and uh, you know I, I I'm I'm used to losing. That's that's part of that's a superhero power that I think you need to be a good rule breaker investor. But yeah, Stitch Fix for us, you know, a stock that um, certainly my brother Tom took a shine to. Um, we added it to Rule Breakers. Uh, it was at 36 back then in August of 2018. So you know, last week it was down to 24. But the good news, I guess, for Investors is it was up from 18, and we had it on our best buy now list last week. So, I guess my top of mind reaction is you never know what's going to happen next. You have to remember that as an investor. It hurts to watch a stock that was a best buy now in my mind. It had already been beaten up, and I was like, this thing can't go down much more, but it can sometimes in life. And sometimes it's external events like a big market drop that can hurt. But um, yeah, I guess I'm interested by. Nordstrom opting out a little bit of online delivery, such an important, I thought, part of its future, obviously very focused on stores. A Stitch Fix is a challenge company, especially in the environment that may ensue from this market drop. It it probably, I mean, you gotta look at companies' cash. You gotta look at the balance sheet. And you should do this before market drops, by the way. You should think about how much cash does this company have, how much debt. And if they have a lot of cash and a little debt, that's what we like. That gives them permission to evolve into new states of being based on market and industry conditions. If they don't have a lot of cash, or if they're stretched, they don't have as much chance. So again, I'm certainly disappointed by Stitch Fix. I'm not going to be great at reacting to news coming out, you know, right away that I didn't even know about. But you know, that too happens during these turbulent times. Let's step back from the news for a second. How are you feeling on a personal level? Because um, while you were talking, I pulled up my account. I pulled up my uh, Ameritrade account, which okay. I had not looked at last night, and did not even look at this morning. It's been that crazy a day okay. um, around the office, and so um, and just looking at it. And uh, you know, I am one of those people, and I've said this before on on Market Fuller. I am one of those people whose biggest holding in their portfolio. Represents um, an outsized percentage. I am also such a person, um, and so um, uh, for me, it's Starbucks. For and, me, it's Netflix. And when uh, for the past eleven years, that's been uh, fine. <laughs> that's been somewhere on the spectrum from fine to great. Uh-huh. And on a day like today, um, when your single biggest holding gets whacked like this, um, holy cow, is this painful? Yeah, I mean, again, I, I've. 
I'm not going to say we've seen this all before. Some of us just started investing last week. Some of us have invested for longer than I have. But I'm 53 years old today, so that means I've been investing since I was 18, where I managed my own account. So I guess that's 35 years. This has happened, let's see, the 1987 crash. I certainly remember that. Um, I'll never forget 2001, uh, 2008, 2009, the flash crash, as you mentioned. Like, this happens. It is part of the game that we're all playing. It's one of the most beautiful, valuable games you can play over your whole life. The earlier you start playing this game, the better off you and your kids and everything around you will be. That's why we want to get everybody on the train at the earliest depot in the stock market. First stop, if possible. But you have to realize, if you're on the train for your whole life long, which I am, Chris, I know you are, you're going to have some tough, tough moments. Without pain, sometimes it's said, there can be no pleasure. And whether or not you subscribe to that maxim or not, the reality is you can take a look at a stock market graph of any meaningful vintage. Let's say 25 years, 100 years, you're going to see these kinds of drops. Sometimes they happen in a day. Uh, Black Monday, right? 1987, what was it? I think it was 22.6 percentage points in one day. Today, it's actually not as bad. But the problem is, even though we're down around 18% as we speak today, we're down 7% yesterday. So, yeah, that's a that's a really bad two days. Well, and you mentioned 87. I mean, that that was another situation where at the, you you can look back at that and say, you know what? At least part of what was going on then, a very different time, obviously pre-internet and all that. Um, the run-up. Before that, that the market had was tremendous. It was it was north of forty percent over a single year. So yeah, and again, really the whole eighties, at least the previous five years, were pretty great back then too. Just like now. Yeah. Um, since I'm looking at my account, I'll just if you'll indulge me a little gallows humor. Um, uh, my smallest holding, Under Armour, um, another couple of bucks, and it's going to be in single digits. So mm. um, so. But but you know I'm trying. <laughs> Misery loves company. I think I heard you talk about that in exactly. the wonderful Company of Fools podcast you did for Market Foolery on the final day of last year. By the way, if you're not already listening to Market Foolery, here's a quick ad in the middle of the Rule Breaker Investing podcast. I listen to Market Foolery every day with Chris and our um, our dozens of listeners and our handful of wonderful analysts. And Chris, I really enjoyed your Company of Fools, and I'm feeling that one a little bit today here, uh, just a few weeks later, because uh, it is important to feel as if we are all kind of in it together, which we are. And and so, here we are, breaking our normal approach to this podcast, throwing out what we did yesterday, and bringing this to you today to let you know you are in the Company of Fools, capital F. That's a good thing. We're all in it together. Well, and yeah, and not to get overly corny or anything, but but it, it, this is anytime this happens. I haven't been investing in the stock market for as long as you, but I've been through certainly a bunch of the um, drops that you've mentioned, and um, there is a feeling of solitude. There's for me anyway. I don't want to speak for anyone else, but for me, um, even coming to work here every day, uh, 2001, um, you know, 2008, 2009, you, you know. Uh, Walking home, or just being at you know being by yourself, thinking about your mind, it's like it can be it can be a little crushing if if you let it. I agree, and Chris, I want to speak to two points. One of which we've already raised, but I really want to pound this one home. So you mentioned how you have an overweighted position in one or more stocks in your portfolio. I do too. Some of our listeners will, some won't. But for those who do, realize that you have to own it on the way down too. Netflix is my biggest holding. It's been amazing over the last 15 years. Couldn't be happier today to be a Netflix shareholder. I'm looking ahead and seeing a world in which Netflix continues to effloresce, 
grow and add value globally. So I strongly believe that. But yeah, I was there in 2011 when the stock lost two thirds of its value in less than a year. Quickster, etc. Um, so I wrote it all the way down. It was somewhere around I'm going to say 100, and then it touched down at around 25 to 30 just months later. So this has happened before. It's going to happen again in future at some other point. But you, if you're going to have these overweighted positions, you have to be willing to own it. I also want to take pains to add: not everybody necessarily has that same mentality. So if you have overweighted positions today, and that is not your mentality, I would be the first to say, wind those down. Ask yourself now that it's real, or if it were real, what would it be like if your biggest holding lost half of its value in a couple of days? Um, Again, some of us can can deal with that. Others can't. So make sure that you're suiting your strategy to your own mentality. So that's just the overweighted position. The one other thing, and I'll make this quicker, Chris. But you know, margin. Uh, some people use margin. Some people use it responsibly. In my experience, most people who use margin don't use it very responsibly. A lot of people, so they see the market rise for ten years, and they're thinking, "Great, I'm going to borrow more than I have and put it into these stocks that keep going up." And then all of a sudden, when we have a few days like what we're talking about right now, the classic line about the the tide's gone out and who was wearing pants, who was wearing bathing suit, who wasn't. Uh, usually, the people who are really embarrassed, ashamed, and are in pain are those who overmargined. So if this is you, um, obviously we're sorry for it. But if you're playing the lifetime game of investing, which is what we're playing. You have time to come back. I have friends who made mistakes with margin in the past. They smarted, they smartened up, and after it smarted for a while, they did better. They invested in, I would say, a more capital F foolish way. So, you know, I'm speaking this quickly. Margin's not bad or wrong unless it's too much for you, in which case it's going to feel really bad on weeks like this. You know, there's any number of companies we could we could dig into, um, and I, I, you know, the the Stitch Fix news, you know Nordstrom selling Trunk Club to Walmart. I feel like you know we, looking at the clock, we still have you know somewhere in the neighborhood of you know north of two and a half hours to go in the trading day. It's not going to surprise me if we see more announcements like this. Um, smaller companies um, either selling themselves entirely or selling off pieces of their business. Obviously, you know, in the case of Nordstrom, it's been looking to sell itself entirely for a while now. So maybe it's decided to go piecemeal. Um, so I think as investors, we should expect more uh, in that category, more large companies taking advantage of this situation. Um, and maybe for some people, that's an opportunity, uh, one more reason to buy a Stitch Fix, because you think, well, you know what? Um, either they turn it around, or they do become an attractive takeover candidate. I know that's not necessarily the way I like to invest. I don't want, hey, maybe someone's going to buy this company right. to be the number one reason I'm buying a stock. Hey, maybe someone will date me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> not I, the person who usually gets the dates, but yeah. I understand what you're saying. Exactly. Um, so, there's, there's uh, obviously going to be a lot more news to come. Um, and uh, and probably more of of this type of approach that we'll be taking um, sure. across our podcasts and across everything we do at the Motley Fool. Yeah, well, thank you, Chris. I'm obviously looking forward to hearing what you all do with Motley Fool Money this weekend. Uh, yeah, I guess my concluding note will just be: Hey, we're here for you. We've been I've been doing this podcast every week now for almost five years, uh, but the Motley Fool business has been around since my brother Tom and I started 27 
years ago, and it's been an amazing 27 years for the stock market. And I believe the next 27 years will be amazing for people who are invested in the stock market, in particular, directly invested in the best companies of our time. Um, it doesn't feel good at all, weeks like this. And we may all look back and say, God, it was so obvious. You know, that, Those people will come out of the woodwork, by the way, Chris. Oh. The people who knew this was coming, who yeah. called the crash. Yeah. Often, they were calling it in 2019, 18, 17, 16. Stop clock right at least twice a day. If I'm doing the math right, just twice a day. But you know, so so expect that, right? You're going to hear about the people and how it was so obvious in retrospect. And you know, some people probably did predict it ahead of time. But that's not the way to approach the markets. I don't think that's not the way to approach your portfolio and your life in investing. It's all about saving more money this week, next week, adding. Um, if you're a retiree, it's about making sure that you have some in fixed income, which softens the blow. Uh, for stock market weeks like this one. So, um, obviously, stick not just with us, but with the plan that you entered with um, to find great companies and hold them. And if you're off plan, you know, if you overweighted too much or if you went on margin, change it up because um, this is a wake up call. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. And The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.